0: To have a good harvest, one must plant good seeds and must also use the right kind of fertilizer. The carrots have grown large and firm. How good they will taste. Welcome to the Backyard Gardens podcast, a companion podcast to the upcoming documentary Backyard Gardens the Movie a story about two families growing their first gardens in a world that lacks nutrition. I'm your host and director, Ben Neville. I can't think of anything better on a hot summer day than a nice, juicy piece of watermelon. How great is it to grow your own watermelon and have one when you want? You can do anything from it, from eat it, juice it, cook with it, or even when I was a kid, we used to play greased watermelon where you Grease up a watermelon with Crisco, put it in the pool, and see who could hold on to it the longest. It's just an all-around great fruit. But growing it, there's there's a trick to growing it. The first thing that we need to do is figure out what kind of watermelon and what kind of space we have to grow it. So in last year, I grew my first watermelon plant successfully, and I put it in the corner of a four by eight bed. And my idea, I knew it was going to trail out, but it ended up growing over the bed. And about 10-15 feet into the yard. Which was fine until it was time to cut the grass or something like that. I didn't want to cut the foliage back because it could rob nutrients from the plant to set the fruit. So the whole summer I would go, cut the grass, pick up the watermelon vines, and try and mow under them. And then I started setting fruit and I couldn't move it. So then I had weeds all around it and I couldn't find my watermelon. Which, by the way, I have the same problem with pumpkins this year. I don't know why I don't learn. But this year... I started that second bed I told you about in the previous episode for plants just like that Just to let them grow wild and this year my watermelon plant takes up almost the entire bed I probably could have trimmed it but being that I just cleared the spot I had a lot of weeds so I figured that it would keep weeds down Which it has done, but there are all kinds of watermelons you can grow So we need to figure out what your space requirements are and what you want to grow you can get all kinds of watermelon seeds from small to large fruits that'll set for instance this year I don't know the name of the seeds I'm growing but the package said you could get up to a 200 pound watermelon which was not my goal earlier today when I went to go check it I had a 25 pound watermelon out there that's a lot of watermelon so I can't even imagine what a 200 pound watermelon would be like but there's all kinds you can get the seeds now come where the fruit will be like the little ones you get in the grocery store the little seedless ones, and those are great because you can get them for a small group of people and eat one at a time or however you want to do it, but these big ones, that's a different story. But you can get anything from Sugar Baby, Moon and Stars, and Jubilees are all pretty much what backyard people will grow, which is what I'll do next year is I'll get a smaller watermelon. So should you sow your seeds directly in the garden, or should you buy transplants for watermelon? Well, that's a tricky one, but watermelon grow really fast from seed, so it's easier to just put the seed in the ground. So what we want to do is we want to build little hills and plant the seed around the hills. I personally put three seeds on the side and one in the middle for the hill and then let it grow. And the hill doesn't have to be very big maybe six to eight inches high, probably about six inches wide but that gives it a chance to grow and then all you need to do is add water. But if you use a bedding plant to put in, sometimes they don't transplant well So it's the same idea as like a zucchini or something where it's just easier and quite frankly cheaper to put the watermelon seed in the ground. So the plants, as I say, can get pretty big. So just be prepared for space, 18 inches apart at minimum. And then once they start growing, it's time to worry about, not worry, but look out for pests. So we want to keep an eye out for the pests that we have living around our plants. And this is one that we need to worry about. I haven't had as many problems with my watermelon, but just to keep an eye out, here's a few that we can go by. So I'm just gonna list a few. I'm not gonna get real in-depth for them, but we have aphids, blister beetles, pickle worms, spider mites, spotted cucumber beetles, squash vine borers, and striped striped cucumber beetles. So a lot of times you can use something like a neem oil, which is an organic alternative to uh, chemicals you can spray on. And you would do that every uh, 14 days. I would suggest following the package because sometimes for each insect you want to spray the adults and then if it'll get into the eggs, you have to spray the eggs or else you'll just, what you'll have is you'll have another outbreak where they'll just grow again. So you want to keep on top of it and go through a couple life cycles of the insect. And then if that doesn't work, you can also uh, use an insecticidal soap. I hopped into like Captain Jack's dead bug juice. And just spray that in the evening when all the pollinators are done for the day. And then that'll help too. And this is if you want to do an organic garden. If you use those two things, you should be okay for most things. But each time anytime you find something on your plant, you want to look it up and figure out what you have and what the best option is for it. Some people don't even worry about an organic garden. That's fine. That's up to you. Because anything that you do in your garden that's not organic... Is still gonna be better than what you get from the farm because you're not just treating haphazardly at least you shouldn't be most people see a problem and then treat so that's what your idea with the pest on the watermelon would be you see the problem and then you treat it and if it's a bigger bug you can pick the adults off and kill them right away too that'll help so picking and spraying will all help with your your pest issues that you might have on your watermelons so there's all kinds of pests you can get and I have tried on aphids before. I've tried um, a, a mixture of a small spray bottle filled with about maybe a tablespoon of Dawn soap. And some people suggest do it and some people don't. I've tried it before and it's been okay as a solution. But you do that and then you spray it every couple days and it'll stay on top, especially for aphids. That's the only thing I've really had luck with. And like in um, gnats too, I've had that in, with inside plants. But otherwise... Just try and do um, the other two methods. And also you can introduce ladybugs into your garden. A lot of gardening stores sell ladybugs. So you can go in and you can get them and release them into your garden. They will help keep those in check. So that's another option. And then once you get away from your pest, you're gonna have issues possibly with diseases. And there's all kinds of diseases you can have in your garden. You know, you can get downy mildew, uh, stem blights, Powdery mildew, which is what we're going to talk about in a little while, because that affects a lot of plants. And a lot of these do affect each other plants as well. You can have a seed borne fungus called anthracinose. And one thing you can do about that is you can practice crop rotation, which you should always do, but then an aggressive treatment of neem oil will help preserve it and future harvest from the same disease. Um, bacterial fr- fruit blotch, it'll have uh, the ring around the watermelon will have a crack and an ooze, a sticky yellow liquid come out, and a copper fungicide can control that. But you have to treat these things as soon as you see them. You can't see it and then wait a little while. That doesn't work very well. So just try and stay on top of it. and do. I like to do what I call a daily check. Every morning I go out, I just walk the garden, I look and see what's different. And then in the evenings is when I actually go out and harvest. So then I can see if anything's really changed or anything like that. So, like downy mildew is another notable one that we brought up, and it's an angular leaf spot, and it creates, it works its way through the watermelon leaves, and so it may start as yellow areas, but then turn brown and purple sores on the underside of the uh, of the leaves. So it won't attack the fruit, but it attacks the leaves, which then affects your yields. So if you want more, you need to get on, stay on top of these, and make sure you handle it, and then. As far as yields go with watermelon, the way, as far as I understand it, is the, water, the plant will grow a watermelon, and then it'll focus its energy on one watermelon, and that'll be a big watermelon. And as that one's growing, other ones will grow too, but they won't get as big because it's still focusing its energy on that. So for instance, this year I had one, I think the first one I harvested was about 15 pounds, and it, was, it had a little black spot on the bottom of it, which I'll go into in a minute. But I didn't, the rest of the watermelon looked fine, so I left it. And then as I watched, I saw three more watermelons come up. So I just went ahead and cut that one and got rid of it. Because it wasn't doing anything but robbing the other fruits from nutrients and energy to grow bigger. So I already knew I had that issue. And what the black spot was, turns out I don't have enough calcium in my soil right now. And that black spot happens at the very end of your fruit, you'll see it. It looks like a blossom end rot on a tomato, but it's... It's a calcium deficiency in the soil, which makes sense because this bed, I literally went through this winter, cut down a couple trees, and when I say trees, I mean they were like saplings, and then took out all the undergrowth underneath it because we had Hurricane Florence last year and it kind of cleared out a lot anyways. So this soil has never been amended at all. I just used virgin soil this year just to see how it would do. So that didn't surprise me that I had a calcium issue. And so fertilizing your, your watermelons, um, in the beginning I like to use, um, I'm a big fan of Neptune's fish fertilizer liquid. There's a long story with me in the fishing industry, but just to keep it simple for right now, in New England they had a law come into effect where you had to keep all of your catch. You couldn't discard anything. So what they did is they started selling all of these what they call junk fish, which are fish that most people don't buy. They sold them, And then they would grind them up and turn them into this fish fertilizer. So that's where it comes from. So it kind of eliminates waste from the fishing industry to some some extent. But it's pure nitrogen that you can put in. So it helps with that early leaf growth, which is really good for um, your leafy vegetables, like your lettuces, your kales, chards, all that stuff. It's really good. But I like to give it a little dose early on to kind of give it a boost. And then I just typically, I personally, I use Epsoma. I hope I'm saying that right, Epsoma um, Garden Tone. And then I also grow bonsai on the side. So if I run out of that, I use a 10-10-10 fertilizer for that. And I'll throw that on if I have to run out or if I don't have much left. So, you know, it, I'm not really picky about the fertilizer using. I'm sure if I really got down and dirty, I could make some changes and get more yields. But for me, it's just, I. it's what I have available. I wouldn't put anything like really wrong on there, but a nice balanced fertilizer is what I like to put on it and I generally go through um, if you read the back of the bag it'll say put so much fertilizer like let's say it says put a pound of fertilizer per you know 50 square feet which I don't know if that's really what it says I'm just using that as an example and you do the math and you figure out like okay I have a four by eight bed that's a 32 square foot bed and it says put a pound in for 50 square feet so I'm gonna put half a pound in well, that's a lot of fertilizer. So what I usually do is I just keep um, like an old yo- yogurt container or a small. And when I say small, I mean a real small plastic cup, like when you would like rinse your mouth out with. And I keep that in my fertilizer bag. And then I just pour that around the base of each plant. So I don't really I don't touch the stalk, but I just pour it around. And then that helps. With that, because otherwise you'd just be over-fertilizing or wasting your money. Fertilizer can get expensive. And since I've started doing that on a more frequent basis, I've had a lot more luck with my vegetables. So I do that about once every two to three weeks. Now, when it comes to harvesting your watermelon, now there's there's an art to it. And there's an art to watering it before you harvest it. So as the fruit starts to grow, you don't want to water it as much. As you would before because it'll dilute the sugars in it which will give you a less sweet flavor which I mean why would you want to eat a watermelon that literally tastes like water it should be like called like Kool-Aid melon or something like sugar melon but if you took it out and then you took all the sugar out and diluted it it doesn't and I've had this happen it doesn't taste good and the other issue you can have if you overwater it is it'll actually crack the watermelon so as the watermelon gets bigger and bigger you want to water just a little bit less and then right before you know that you're going to harvest it, which we're, I'll tell you in a minute how to do, you will start to withhold water. So like the first, a lot of places say two weeks before you harvest it, don't water. But I feel like that's a little long, especially in my area where it gets so hot. But a couple days before I won't water it. And I've I've had pretty sweet watermelons. I mean, you know, some have been diluted and had no flavor and some have had a lot of flavor. So just keep an eye on your watering of it. Don't water too much or it'll crack. And then don't water it too much or it'll dilute, but don't water it too little that it dies. So just remember, the closer you get to harvesting it, the the less you need to water it. And then when you think, a lot of people, and I've read this a lot, is when you want to harvest a watermelon, you want to thump it. And you'll hear like a hollow sound. Well, I got news for you. It might be in my ears, but every time I thump a watermelon, it sounds pretty hollow. Not like hollow, but like a thud. Thud, thud. So and then they say when you flip them over, you look in the underbelly of it, it'll be like a cream colored that I get to an extent. But the way I look at it is if I have a 25 pound watermelon sitting out there and it's never seen daylight, it's going to be a cream color. So what you do is you go to the t- top of the watermelon and you're going to see your little stalk, and you follow that stock. And then there's going to be a little like curly cube pigtail. I guess it's called a trindle is the technical name, I think. But once you look at that trindle, just keep an eye on it. And when it's time to pick it, it it'll actually die, that little curly cue. So you'll see it starting to brown. And once it starts turning brown and a little bit yellow, that's when you really want to start withholding the water because that means the watermelon's almost done. And then you go out there and you see that it's completely done. Go ahead and cut your watermelon. And then you'll be eating watermelons soon enough. So that's a good way to start your watermelon. Um... And a good way to know when to harvest it. I've read a lot of things. And I actually saw it on YouTube. It was a, it was a watermelon farmer. And he was like, this is the only way I do it. And I had a couple of watermelons come out. And I cut them open. And they're like green on the inside. They've been sitting out there forever. Green on the inside. Pink. And then I take it. And I follow the cue. Guess what? The next one was delicious. And then the next one after that, I had watered too much. And it cracked open. So, And then if you really want to get into it with watermelon the fun thing you can do is you could grow it into shapes. I know um, in Japan they grow them into squares so they can fit in the refrigerator. So if you really wanted to get crazy you could put it in some kind of container and as the watermelon actually grew it would take the shape of that. Which would be cool to do. I've never done it but it would definitely make a good Instagram post so I would try maybe once I get it figured out and I get the calcium figured out in my soil maybe next year I'll grow a square watermelon and let you know how it goes or I don't know, maybe we'll grow one in a triangle. It'd be kind of cool to put on a table too. You know, you can get creative with them, but, oh, and one thing I forgot too, as your watermelon's growing on the vine, if you want to go a little bit farther up the vine from it and cut the vine, it'll focus more of its energy onto the melon to give you a bigger fruit. So that's something you can do too. I personally don't do that, but that's something that a lot of people recommend. So when we were talking about diseases for watermelon, one thing we touched on briefly, was powdery mildew. And for me, this is the most common thing I've seen anywhere from North Carolina to Massachusetts. It's a uh if you look at your leaves and it looks like there's a white powdery substance on it, that's powdery mildew. And what it is is it comes from your leaves being wet for too long and moist. So, like up north, I was mostly watering overhead and I was watering late in the evening, so the water would sit on the leaves and would not dry off during the day, because there wasn't a lot of humidity up there. I know a lot of people say it's humid up there in the summertime, but compared to North Carolina, it's not. So, I had that issue up there, and then I read that, okay, you don't water with a sprinkler, you water with a soaker hose. That's one of the benefits. So, we tried that, and it wasn't as bad, but I was still watering at the wrong time. And then, moving down to North Carolina, it's so humid. I mean, we went through, we were doing really good this year up until about I'd say 4th of July, and then we had like two weeks of rain, and the humidity was, you know, 90%, 85%, something like that. And it got really hot, and it just stayed moist. And all of that, all of that humidity and moisture built up on the leaves. And now I have powdery mildew. So I'm actually about to pull my cucumbers out of the ground now and then add and replace them with something else, which I haven't decided yet. So powdery mildew comes from moisture on your plant leaves so the one thing to do is plant is water early in the morning so the daytime has time to dry up all the water so the daytime sun can dry the water off the leaves and keep it drier at night now if you live somewhere in the south it's something you're gonna have to fight if you live in a humid area i'm not sure how it is on the west coast i imagine that it can get humid in some areas so it's something you're gonna have to deal with so how do you treat it well i haven't found a good way to treat it so, you can, I've tried to use, um, and it's very, you have, if you're going to do this, you have to use cow's milk, but you make a mixture of cow's milk, baking soda, and water, you dilute it, and then you spray it in the early morning, kind of after the dew's dried, and then when you, you kind of mist all the leaves top and bottom with it, and what's supposed to happen is the proteins from the cow's milk will actually attack the powdery mildew and kill it. Well, sounded like a good idea, especially when I was a new, um, a new vegan. But it was like, oh, yeah, cow's milk will definitely attack something. It's bad. It's terrible. And then it didn't work. So then it was time for me to figure something else out. So now I tried to use neem oil. And um, the directions on the neem oil said spray every, if you have powdery mildew, spray every seven days until it gets under control. Well, I'm about to pull my cucumber plants up, so I haven't found that out. I didn't find that to be useful so what the best thing to do is prevent it so how do you prevent it well one is like we said water early in the morning let it dry Um, don't keep your plants overly moist and don't water the leaves just water uh put soaker hoses under it so if you're not familiar with a soaker hose the soaker hose you put under it and you let it run for a while and um, you barely turn your water on and it drips onto the soil and soaks it through. So instead of watering for, I don't know, 45 minutes with a sprinkler, you would water for like two hours with your soaker. You just let it soak and it's a deep, deep soak into the soil. And the other thing too is when you have an infected plant, you cut it. Don't put it in your compost pile, bag it up, put it in the trash and get out of there. Don't keep it anywhere near it. And then the next year, if you have a plant that could be susceptible to it, don't put it in that same area. So a lot of the plants that I've had problems with is cucumbers, watermelons, cantaloupes, pumpkins, squash, zucchini, pretty much your broadleaf plants like that. They've all had issues with um, powdery mildew. So, And I'm sure there's more. But if, you've, if you see it, get it out of there. Do not put it in your compost pile because it can survive the winter and then come back. So the key for that is to treat it or i'm sorry the key to that is to prevent it prevention is key for powdery mildew because it just turns your leaves yellow and then they can't get sun and the next thing you know your plant's drying up and there's nothing you can do about it so prevention 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 so as i promised at the end of the episode we're going to We were gonna have a recipe, and today's recipe um, is gonna have to do with watermelon. So I don't know a lot of different ways to eat watermelon, but I know some ways that I like to eat watermelon, and one of them is just straight up slice it and eat it. I don't think there's a better way. I don't even like to put it in the refrigerator; I like it nice and warm. Some people put salt on it, but I don't. And then a trick to make it easy so you know when you cut your watermelon, it's got those big slices, and you eat it, and it gets all over your face, and it's dripping down your mouth and everything, and It's real messy, but it's good. Well, if you ever want to eat it and not get messy, a good thing to do, especially if you buy one of the smaller watermelons, um, like the seedless versions you get at the grocery store, if you cut it in half and then put the cut side down so the bottom of the watermelon's facing up and you cut it in a grid pattern, you'll get nice little triangles. I'm sorry, you'll get nice little squares of watermelon that you can just pick up and eat and it won't get all over you. So that's a great way to do it. And then... Another way to use watermelon is to make popsicles. So what we will do is we'll take an ice cube tray. We'll grind up our pop or we'll take an ice cube tray. We'll grind up our watermelon. You can add a couple drops of um, honey into each one if you want. And then if you really want to get fancy, you could put some mint in it and then just get something like toothpicks and put in it. Cover it with saran wrap, put the toothpicks in and then freeze it. And then you've got a, a nice healthy treat. And then if you really wanted to get fancy, you could get like popsicle containers and then mix it with like coconut cream and do that. I don't do that because I'm personally trying to eat a low-fat diet right now, so I don't eat a lot of coconut cream and stuff, but it's really good to do that. So watermelon, a couple drops of honey, and mint if you want, and you got a low-fat treat. And then if you want to add something better or give it more bulk and and more creaminess, you could add Uh, Coconut milk or coconut cream to it actually and then that can you know that'll give you the flavor of uh, Coconut watermelon, so there's there's a couple ways to try and one thing I always saw and never had the courage to try was you take your watermelon and you just slice it down the middle make like a slab of Watermelon, I don't know maybe like an inch thick and then I saw people would put um, avocado on it make like what they would call an avocado pizza or a watermelon avocado pizza I could never do that. I love avocados, and I love watermelon, but I don't think they'll go good together. I mean, if anybody else has tried it, let me know, and we can... Um, I would I would try it. If I actually saw heard from a real person that says they like it and they tried it, I would do it, but I just never really had the courage to pull the trigger on that one. And I mean, in my mind, calling that pizza pizza is blasphemy, so... I just, I can't do it. So let us know, are you growing watermelon? What kind are you growing? How do you grow it? Um, are, are you getting good results? And what issues have you had? Let us know in the comment section. And uh, give us a review, give us a, a like and a review and uh, share with your friends and, and let everybody know. So let us know how your watermelon plants are doing. Are you growing them or are you planning to grow them? How are they doing? Have you gotten a lot out of them? What size watermelons are you doing? And what what varieties are you growing? And let me know if you've had the watermelon pizza. I would love to know. Uh, You can find us on Facebook at Backyard Gardens the Movie. Instagram's the same thing, and the website's backyardgardensthemovie.com. Leave us a review and a like. It'll help us out. It'll help us reach more people so they can learn. And um, let's learn to grow and grow for change. And thank you so much for joining us today. Have a good one. Now you know why people feel like celebrating at harvest time. All over the world people have feasting and good times when the crops have been gathered in.